John Caldwell, the Reverend John Caldwell, you are my willing participant, let's <laughs> say. Victim. Well, I was, yeah, <laughs> I, see, I was thinking of using no, the will, word... Willing participant. Yeah. Victim, and then I thought I'd go for something a bit gentler and a bit <laughs> friendlier. So thank you very much for, uh, for doing this. And, um, well, I guess first off, John, I mean, even though with having these sorts of conversations with people i want to have a bit of a chat with the person behind the position let's say because obviously we know you most in your official capacity well first off given when we're speaking to you uh, monday the 8th of april it's the run-up to quite a significant time for you in the in the church calendar so uh, give us a bit of a of an insight as to what it's like in your world at the moment in the, in the lead up to easter um it's it's the sort of lulling the, uh, this passion week before palm sunday this coming sunday um, and then Holy Week, where things tend to go a bit, uh, a bit busier, but a bit gentler and a bit more focused, um, with that uh, sort of lead up to Good Friday. Um, I always find Good Friday a bit of a leaden day. It's a bit of a, a, a hard day to get through. Why um, is that? I think it's just the significance of the crucifixion um, and people understanding that. I think for a lot of people these days, it's lost that significance. Um, certainly we don't uh, we don't tend to think about suffering too much um, unless it just sort of steps on our toes in everyday life um, I think there's maybe yeah I mean I think there's maybe acknowledgements of it without really considering what it means it's like oh yeah it's Good Friday Jesus died on Good yeah, Friday yeah hot cross bones chocolate eggs yeah, yeah. It, it, but, but you're saying for you know for some it has a real yeah, deep there's, significant there meaning is a, there is a depth to it um, and the scriptures that go with it and it's a bit more of a contemplative day than um, sort of whiz bang and everything going on um, but I think it's one of those things without suffering it's hard to get to the joy of Easter day and celebrate properly um, without having gone through that that sort of thought process um, and it's good to focus the mind each year so in contrast then Easter Sunday is very much the, the day of celebration it's yeah, the very day much. of resurrection yeah absolutely yeah. Um, and and of course as you you come through um, th- this period of Lent um, and into the joy of Easter and then that, that celebration of, uh, of the risen Christ um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do um, I think a lot of people sort of can get stuck on Easter Day, and generally, I think as as humans, we like to celebrate and we we like the joy of life. But I think we've lost somewhere that acknowledgement of lament and suffering a little bit somewhere along the way. I was watching something <clears throat> recently about uh, an extreme race in the United States, and and th- they were talking about that in there. That again, you can't really understand true joy or, or true contentment without a bit of suffering in there yeah. as well yeah it um i think going through some trial and tribulation in whatever way um we we are people who need a desert experience something that just where we've got to find uh, ourselves a little bit um and probably find our sense of place within the community as well uh, through some of those experiences um, and we don't always recognise them when they're there. It's not till afterwards, with a bit of hindsight, you go, "Yeah, that was, that was one of those occasions." It was something interesting that you raised there, because this is something that I've been thinking about quite a lot recently about a person's place in in the world and you know what it means to sort of be here and, and what you want to do. And and I came to the the realization that you know whether a person like myself is an atheist or, or a person of any religion I, I was thinking like deep down we're probably all looking for a similar thing it's just choosing it 
in a different way, isn't it really? You know, you want to be happy, content. You want to love and be loved and um, live a good life, do your best for other people. And these sorts of very, very simple but very good things. Yeah, um, they're very strong human values. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, from my particular point of view as a, as a Christian, um, is the love your neighbour bit. Yeah. Um, that, that's a, a key fundamental part of being human. Um, and we seem to have flipped that. We tend to love ourselves first uh, rather than neighbour these days. Um, and there's a lot of putting self first, ego, has taken on a bad name really, hasn't it, in its, in yes. its own way. It's a message that's very much hammered home to us, I think, within... Um well, all sorts of walks of life, and it's used very as a very powerful message within advertising. You know, it's all about you. You are in control. You are this. You are that. And and that's true to an extent. But it seems to be, it seems to result sometimes in people looking at themselves or looking out for themselves or wanting to be good for themselves in the wrong way or with the wrong intent. In the end, yeah. I mean, the orange advert for the when orange were in go for the phones. Um, you know, make yourself the centre of the universe if you buy one of our phones. That was the classic sort of step into individualism, wasn't it? Um, and and of course, eventually, if people are told that as an individual you're going to find happiness, and through consumerism and everything else, people start to believe it. Um, and actually, they end up it's sort of chasing happiness and and chasing some uh, peace and quiet. Hence the boom in mindfulness and and things like that. Um, all about the individual. Um, but actually, we find some peace and some sense of being by being with others and looking after and caring for others. Um, and and of course, you get all the, the sort of good news little clips on Twitter and things like that. Um, you know, where people have rescued a dog, or they've you know, there's something being done to help somebody, or some charitable thing. And actually, people find a lot of joy and happiness through those things. But it's it, rather than it just being um, we give because we can give of ourselves. It seems to have to be done because of something. So whether it's charity, um, and, and that, that's uh, that's part of the big issue of individual. I'll do it for somebody else as long as I'm getting something out of it as well. And I was I was thinking about this and you know, how do you actually get satisfaction out of that sort of thing? And the conclusion that I came to is that you do it because it's a nice thing to do. You don't expect anything in return. But if something does come to you in return in any way, be it you know immediately or somewhere down the line, that, that's a nice thing. But don't expect it. You know that's a bonus. Yeah, but what, I think what, I think people be... have taken on this. I almost expect, yeah, that because I do. This is going to come back. Um, it's you know it's like I, and you're coming up to London Marathon time. And it's just been the Manchester Marathon. You know everybody gets a, a, a medal and this that. They, they do it not just for the sense of achievement, but something to mark that achievement. Uh, I mean, it's almost like life can become a sense of little mini achievements. Uh, you know, I did that and then I went up this mountain and I did that and cycled. Um, and it, it still focuses around individual doing. Like it's your life CV. You know, here's the list of things that yeah, I yeah. have done. Yes. Check me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's my bucket list, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm three quarters of the way through yeah, it, you know. Yeah, it's a, yeah very <laughs> much so. Um, and we've lost... And I think part of that is we lose... Community's a different aspect now. Community can be online. Uh, it can be through a work environment and, and various other um, things, subculture, particularly in the musical world or within motorbike racing, whatever. There's so many subcultures of, and people find themselves in those communities. Um and and some of them are quite have a, a familial feel about them, but I think um, 
that's also led to a lot of isolation for people in that they're stuck behind a screen, the mates are the other side of the world, um, but those conversations go on. And I know those people try and meet up, and some of them do, you know, particularly TT time here, you see a lot of those sort of conversations going on. But um, we've lost that sense of local community, interaction with, um, and when I first came to the island in the mid-90s, there were a lot more conversations up and down Strand Street. And talking to other people, they've, they're starting to miss that. And it, it, there's a there's a different uh, connection within a community. And we've still got pockets of it within some of the housing areas. Yeah on the island um, where that sense of community is very strong um, and that's very deep rooted and we lose that at our peril I think very um, much so but- I think unfortunately <clears throat> excuse me sometimes coming from a place like the Isle of Man particularly if you have uh, let's say you know slightly more niche interests or interests that aren't really there within the mainstream the advent of the internet has very much enabled you to be able to go and find like you say your community online um, elsewhere in in the world and and that's wonderful for people but like you say maybe sometimes we we're so desperate to to cling on to this group of virtual friends that we have that are very much into these you know more niche interests that like you say we lose sight of the good people who are different to us but who are right there within our communities face to face and 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 like you say are the ones really there that should be in your day-to-day lives. Yeah, I think we do the birds of a feather thing, don't we? We stick together with our own kind of weird, yeah, if you yeah. like, um, um, whatever that is that that's either in vogue or that we seem to think we fit with. Um, but we then find it harder to be around the people that are local to us, that live next door or live across the road or whatever, um, or the people we bump into up and down Strand Street or Lord Street, you know, those, um, people that are on a night out. Um, just generally different people. Um, I often do in a baptism service when we t- talk about loving one another, um, you know, turn to the person next to you and it's very, because generally they've come with that person um, and it's very easy to love the person that you've come with. And I sort of say, well, turn around, you know, and look at the person behind you. And as you move away from your own little group, your own cluster of family or friends, to actually love individuals is quite a hard thing to do. People come with corners and bumps and sharp bits and that wind us up, irritate us, frustrate us, do whatever it does. And and actually we've lost that ability sometimes to rub along together and smooth things out of it. Um, but we can do that online because it's a virtual world, but it's very hard to do it in our own community. And we, we, You've got to still know how to do it face-to-face though, haven't you? That, yeah, that's yeah, vital yeah, for your yeah. daily life and your interaction yeah. with people. And like yeah. you say, being able to... To rub along, and, and I know it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but almost just go go with the flow a little bit and not sort of always be looking to bump against people, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, but just, just acknowledge that people are different, yeah. but just take them as they come. Yeah, yeah. Not try and put them into a box or classify them for whatever they are. People are where they are Yeah. Um, through context, through education, through all sorts of things. Through experience, I mean, good and bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, the classic thing in studying theology is, you know, you look at what Scripture says, you know, you look at what tradition's done throughout the years, um, what reason says it is, and your own life experience. And if you sort of apply that into um, community, you get some sense of where people are and understanding there's nothing better than having a conversation with somebody and finding out the life they've lived and some of the bits they've done. Um, I mean, one of the great privileges of my job is um, listening to people's story when you're preparing a eulogy for a funeral. Yes. 
and some of the places people have travelled from here, some of the experiences they've had, some of the stories they've told. You know that you you could. I'd I'd love to write a book, but you couldn't on the Alamand because everybody knew who the characters <laughs> yes, were. Yeah. Um, but um, th- that's a real part of human story and, and, and community. Um, and they had their own communities when they were aware, but there's so many people being drawn back to that community here. But we are just a bit in danger of losing it. Um, there's a lot of people seem to want, and I'm guilty. I've, you know, I mean, I came from across, um, and I've sort of adopted here, um, as many people do. Um, but it, it, it um, there's so many people want to come to the island now and anglicise it, yeah, or Macdonaldise it, whichever. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we're in danger of losing what the island had um, in that sense of depth of community and people knowing each other and caring for each other and looking after each other. I think that sort of thing, it's maintained within a community and it grows within a community from the grassroots, from the base, doesn't it? And and if you look at it, I think on the positive side, there are pockets of it here and there. Um, like you say, beside, um, on the one side, you've got, you know, the UK chains coming over and they serve a purpose and they're obviously wanted by some because otherwise they wouldn't come here you know there Absolutely. must be some sort of demand but it's for the, I think for local produce and local things this is one of the best times that I can remember oh, in terms yeah. of you know actual products being made and 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 also little sort of community efforts within certain pockets of certain places here and there so it's 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 bubbling up here and there it is the artisan side of things is really coming to the yeah. fore now isn't it um yeah. and there's lots of people bringing lots of ideas back and lots of opportunities um that the island's not really explored before um and they're popular because they're not big chain they're not brand they're just one-offs and uh slightly off the wall some of them or yeah um, and quite basic and rustic and yeah whether it's food drink or whatever ones that involve like um, some sort of exchange between you know customer yeah. and, and producer as well where you can take a you know something that you grow and they'll turn it into something for you so you're meeting them and you're interacting and and, with and them going and back to this barter thing that used to be very much yeah, part yeah, of them yeah. the manx village life with the agricultural yeah. community together and it's good to see. It is good to see that coming back and thriving. You're saying you know you've you've been here for well, what, getting on for 25 years now. Yeah, mid like 90s I mid, arrived. Mid 90s. Yeah. What drew you over here originally? Was it was it the TT as a, as a no no? Trip? I worked in the finance sector. I I got sent over here to do a job and ended up staying. So eventually. you were already over here because I, I remember I've heard you speak a little bit before about your um, your life pivot, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that actually happened when you were already over here, did it? It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a history of it um, and some sense of vocation and call, I think, it, from childhood. You had, you had priors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then did a runner from it. Um, yeah. Completely the opposite direction and went on to live a bit of life, I think. Okay, um, so let, let's go back a bit. So did you, did you grow up in a, in a religious house, in a religious family? It was interesting. I grew up in a Methodist household. Um, both mother and father went to uh, local chapel. And this is? In whereabouts? Middle of Yorkshire. Middle of Yorkshire. Middle of West, West Yorkshire. West Riding, the old West Riding as was. Okay. Uh, so textiles and engineering and uh, and, and so on. Um, and um, I went to a Church of England school and ended up in the church choir and various other things. Sort of early teens. Um, and then the pivot was my dad dying at 15, um, which was quite a big thing to take on board. 
you know, just when you're getting used to life and things just going swimmingly and losing somebody who was not only my dad, my best friend. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that because I, I just lost my dad last year at 38 and that yeah, yeah. was that was hard enough, you know, I, that yeah. even felt a little bit young, so I can't I can't imagine what 15 no, is it like. Just, so the, it left me and my mum. Yeah. Um, and um, so the responsibility of being the male in the house and everything else. And you became the man of the house. I became the man of the house, effectively, yeah. in uh, in that parlance. And um, so I, I tended to drift off a bit. I, I think, like a lot of people can do when grief takes over, got quite angry, angry young man, trying to find your way in life, but with balancing all that against what had happened. Still trying to... Manage yeah. school at that time as well. Yeah, you? doing yeah. grammar school, GCSEs, A levels. Yeah, uh, yeah. Went through the whole thing. Got a place at uni. Decided that wasn't going to be. Did a few bits and bats. Um, ended up working in uh, insurance industry. Um, kind of, you, I bet you never saw down. yourself do that, did you? No, doing no, that, no, did just, you know? I, I, if you look back and think, you know, when you're at school, what did you want? There's always the what do you want to be? Fireman, doctor, bus driver, astronaut. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I mean that's even more relevant these days, isn't it? People are more likely to be an astronaut True, these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it um, none of anything I've done I would have expected um, at that point. So I sort of drifted through um, and just made it what it was. Um, got brought over here to do some work. I enjoyed it. Decided it was going to be a place to stay eventually through circumstance. That more than that, um, and it's been the place we've lived longest as a family together um brought the two girls with us the two daughters and son born here yeah uh, and even uh, i mean he's at university now and you know he's a sort of, he wants to come back because he? he there's this well just going back to what we were saying before this sort of mindset there's a lot of young people being away and come back and brought some fresh ideas uh, that they're growing and he'd love i mean he's got another year at uni and whatever else he does but he wants to come back here and set up and run whatever he's going to do um, in his particular field um, because he sees the island as a good place to do that um, and doesn't want to get sucked into the sort of mainstream of what he's involved in. I think, um, yeah, people could probably look at it in one or two ways, couldn't they? They could see it that, that it's maybe too small a market to be able to do anything of any you know real size within, but then you could also look at it as a, as a good place it to test a business in a way to do it you know small and, and see how it goes and, and build it up effectively. Well, there's, I mean the potential for people to come here and work globally yeah on the island you don't have to physically go off the island to work these days um, and that's his thing he said you know for setting up a business here it's a good place to have a business and uh, and do that um, and that he's quite comfortable with that that the island is he said and look he said five minutes out of town peaceful it's pleasant yeah you know he said it's nothing like going to london or wherever um and he's got business contacts while still at uni for stuff he's doing with people in america and various parts of europe and all the stuff um and and it's thriving and, and people the, the, it's changed completely and i think the other thing is there's a lot of uh, it's not just for some now about making vast sums of money you know i think the thatcherite children of sort of dropping off the conveyor belt a little bit he says speaking as one of them you know do you know what I mean um but I think but, she still led to people going on one of two paths didn't they yeah, they yeah, either yeah. bought into it wholesale or they or ran a completely, mile from yeah, it yeah 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 <clears throat> and um there's a contentment in making what you can make and make a living and have some balance 
within that work-life balance and whilst also maybe having maybe there's more consideration on having a positive impact on your community again as well i think in these projects you know yeah um and you see some of the 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 work that's coming off the back of some of the you know some of the little restaurants and stuff that have sprung up um and there's a whole new culture of meeting and greeting and, and and people sharing together um and you particularly see it through social media um, you know some of the stuff. I mean, the Volts were doing something in Castletown yesterday. We went down to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mental health well, one. It was very good. Very, yeah, very I mean good. that's right up your street. Anyway, that you don't I mean. But those sort of those sort of things that are coming along now, um, whereas it just used to be a band in a bar because it was expected to have a band in a bar. Um, there's a bit more of a culture around it, um, and it's a caring culture, and and that's coming back into that that sense of community there. But there's there's a there's a bit in the middle that's missing somewhere. Isn't there? The church must play a very big role within that as well. I mean, what's what do you consider to be your community there at St Ninian's Church? What's your sort of your rather, your patch around there? Well, it's rather odd because the everything else around it was. I mean, St Ninian's was carved out of St Peter's Onken, out of the, the the parish of Onken and the parish of St George's, the older parishes. Um, and when it was built as a church, nobody ever wanted it. It was a. It was like a. No, we don't want that. But it got built anyway because Henry Bloom's noble estate said it was going to happen. And when when was this? No, nineteen thirteen. It was. It's finished, and okay. and then it got its own parish in nineteen fourteen, and that's extended since out towards the Scholag Road and Abbey Lands that way. So you've just had your centenary in the last yeah, we five, did. six years. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean it's a, it's an interesting history with it. Um, but it's a relatively. In fact, now All Saints is closed. It's the youngest church on the island. Baby church. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, 1913, yeah. and it's the youngest church yeah, on the, the island. Yeah, the youngest church. All the other churches are a lot, lot older. And, of course, yeah. they were part central to the community. Um, when it was built, of course, Douglas hadn't even reached York Road. No. You know, the tram stopped there. Well, you, you had um, you had big well, like Lauriston Manor, you had big estates yeah, effectively yeah, yeah. in that area, yeah, if, rural, semi-rural yeah, estates. Yeah, yeah. Williston, I mean, Will, where Williston Estate is now, from which was post-war housing. Yeah, um, just agricultural land, all fields. You know where the dairy <laughs> is. That was a farm. Yeah, you know, yeah. and going out on top of lands, they were just farms, not yeah. these big fancy houses that are there now. Yeah. Um, so, so the so the original purpose of the church then was I think some of the politics and everything else on it. it, it uh, I was talking to Bob Harrison the other day, and it, we were talking about it being almost somebody wanting it to be there and a bit like Guildford Cathedral, a cathedral on a hill. Okay, um, but I don't think it, it just became a parish church. Um, so it never really had a community around it, and as Douglas has grown over the last that hundred years or so, it's gone past it. So it's never had, it's never been at the centre of a community. Whereas you look at some of the other churches, there's slap bang in the middle of it. Um, I, I suppose, I mean, because funnily enough, I just noticed this on St. Nini's High School the other day. That was, I think that's from the mid-20s. I think it says 1924 above the door or something. So, you know, t- what, 10 years into the church's life, it acquires a, a school across the way from it. So there, yeah. w- there must have been links between... There's been links over the years. The two, yeah. um, um, and But it, in, in terms of housing and people... Um, anything that's sort of grown up, people tended to stick to the older roots that they had. Right. Um, and it's still the same. People still, um, people will move all over the island, but they still go back to where they're rooted. Um, so that'll mean people travel from Peel to Douglas. People will travel from Douglas to Peel. You don't I mean if you plotted every church journey out on a Sunday morning or on a Sunday. Um, that people do, it'd be absolute fascinating, you know, to track them and see where they go. Yeah, yeah. Probably 50, 60% of my congregation 
Yeah. Come from outside the parish boundary. Okay. Um, some because they've lived in the parish and moved out. Others who came just because it's St. Ninians and where it is. Um, and, and have been there through attachment. Um, and it still has a, a connection with having the TT window and various... So we get tend to get people who come um, when they're visiting. And if people move here, they then tend to uh, sort of associate with it. But then people you suddenly find the people settle in Ramsey because the housing's cheaper um, and end up going to somewhere up, up north. Um, so it can be tra- quite transient in that. <clears throat> and it's always had that, I think, in, in, in its nature as a church. Um, so there's this core of people and then there's this big periphery of, of people that sort of associate with it. So, And <clears throat> you were saying about when it was, uh, when it came into being, well, I mean, that's not that long after the TT itself, well, particularly the move to the mountain course. So has the church been synonymous with the TT long term? I think it was just, um, no, I mean, the window that's in is, uh, was put in by the uh, ACU president John Annalay, but it, um, it, I think it has a tribute to it, but it was before um, St Andrews was then built, which was a scout hut, of course. So St Indians gave money for the, or gave the land for the scout hut to be built on, which is now St Andrews Church. But the whole tongue of land there at the end was part of Bloom Noble's estate um, and given for the building of the church. Um, and it just shows how it's developed into, you know, with the apartments are there now and we've got the grass and the tarmac drive and everything else. And it just keeps evolving on as, as time goes by. Your um, your relationship with the TT is obviously a strong one. You're a big fan of motorbikes themselves <laughs> and road racing. Was that, I take it that was before coming here, was it? Yeah, or? I was a big into Speedway. Okay. Um, my paper round on my rally Jeep bike with cow horn handlebars we used to do cycle speedway around a local park that was summer holidays cycle speedway um and we used to go to the speedway at the shay in halifax um so that was that was my leading and at motorcycle news i always used to read on a wednesday morning on my paper round i used to stop somewhere and, and read it um whether it was in the shelter of the old folks accommodation or whatever before you had, delivered it to yeah, someone yeah, yeah. Um, and it had all the results in it you used to have all the results of the trials and everything else um that, that went on um, and so I love a motorcycling came through uh, through that. And what sort of era is this? Uh, you're going back at the early 70s. Early 70s. Early okay. 70s. So we're still talking about world yeah. championship. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and... I, I mean, my mum would uh, still sit and watch, uh, you know, the Transatlantic Trophy from Alton Park and places like that with me. Um, you know, when the JPS specials were out, and uh, and you could watch it on the BBC on a Sunday afternoon. You know, um, and she used to love it. Um, and it was the safest place for me to go because the bus stopped outside our house and stopped outside the football ground at the chair for the speedway and I could get back on, get off a stop before, have fish and chips on my way home on a, a Saturday night and go, go get home in time for, for curfew, if you like, uh, <laughs> having had speedway. And, of course, all, we all, all the lads that we did cycle speedway used to go to the speedway together. So that was the era of Kenny Carter, Alan Carter's brother and all. And so... Um, and then um, just through local connections of people riding bikes and, and stuff like that. Um, and followed the racing. And then, of course, when I came over here, I sort of, the t- in, in work time, I managed to be able to make sure I stayed over for a full fortnight instead of commuting back. Um, and the love of the TT sort of stayed ever since. You always used to follow it by results. You yeah. knew it was going on there. But the chance to be here. But the chance to be here um, yeah. and work around it. Yeah. 
Um, well, well, let's talk about that a little bit because um, I was asking you before, wasn't I, about you know what, what your sort of your upbringing was in in terms of religion. Let's say you were saying Methodism and you kind of lost your way, but 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 it sounds like there was always something still niggling away in in your head there, and and one day you had you made a decision just, effectively. Yeah, I suppose it's um, having moved. Part of the process of moving here, um, my wife went to church across and had quite a strong sense of community and involvement um, uh, with this particular church. Um, and a couple of people I worked for, or who worked for me, went to the particular church where we lived uh, within that community. Um, and I have to say it was a bit Daily Mail, Telegraph and a bit white middle class. As a, um, but it's still a, still a thriving church now um, uh, there. But I'd sort of, I'd, I was still trying to come to terms with grief and anger. Um, and I think I did the, um, what a lot of people do is, um, why does God let this happen? And I'm sure you've, whatever, I mean, why does this happen? You'll have gone through those thought processes as a part of grieving anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we, it's, it's part of our human nature. Um, I think it's always part of our human nature to ask why about anything. We always yeah, think, want to know why, don't we? I think we? The, day we, the, the day we stop asking why we've given up yeah yeah as, as long as we tr still try to understand the world around us yeah. and, and how it rolls along i think that's not that's... necessarily in that annoying kid way but why <clears throat> but why 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 but in but in theory you know it is that sort of curiosity which yeah, we need and get to maintain some, and get some it? rationale around what, what our place and our place with other people and in, in you know from what we've been talking about yeah but it um i got um Invited to a Christmas lunch um, down at Port Sodrick when the anchor was in go, and I met a couple of guys down there. I said, "I'll oh, come for lunch," you know, and met up. And I think it just the conversations started to help deal with some of the grief and anger issues, um, and give a bit of focus. Young family as well, um, and eventually I ended up going around church one morning. They were a nice bunch of folk. Um, there were no rainbow guitar straps or rainbow jumpers and sandals with socks on and things like that, you know, which is the typical sort of stereotype, wasn't it? Yeah. Of uh, of religious people. Um, and um, and you, just you, you found your community by the sense. I found of it. a bit of yeah, I found a sense of belonging there. Yeah. Um, that I'd not found anywhere else. My my own individual spirituality had been uh, walking long distance. I became a member of the Long Distance Walkers Association. So I used to go off on a weekend and do like 50 miles on a Saturday and then go and do a short 30 miler on a Sunday. Or... Short 30 miler, flipping heck. Um, and, um, or do daft stuff like get up at one o'clock in the morning and drive to the Lake District um, and get to the top of Snaefell for sunrise and then walk back down again, just because I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... I mean, that's I found my own space in that, and 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 some peace and understanding. I think mm. the motion and the solitude, because <clears throat> I, I love you know walking out in in the hills and whatnot as well. I think it's the motion and the solitude, and um, the thing that I was love as well. It, it seems to melt really help my sort of you know worries or cares about what's happening in this very moment melt away. It's just like the permanence of the landscape is being. It's in, as different it, as it is every time, and yeah. lights different and everything yeah. else. But it's there. But it's there always. And, and, and how and, long has it been there for? And, you know and, I mean? and for me, that's the Christian 
ethic that God's yes. there in that same way. Okay. Um, uh, just to give some understanding. Of, yeah, yeah. Of, of no, that and, that, and I think that's and that's exactly that, that again, timeless, the, sort of thing. The, the timelessness of it, as as you know, as, it's far bigger and beyond us in its own way. Yeah. Um, and I found some, as I say, I found some space in that, and I sort of put it into context and. Um, and start reading scripture again, start getting a bit more understanding about some of the things that were big burning issues for me. Um, and I remember being sat on a plane and somebody having doing uh, the morning prayer on a plane from Ronaldsway, got to London of all places, on a Manx Airlines plane. Um, and phoning somebody up when I got to London to say, what's that mean? You know, this particular bit that this person had been reading, you know, when you're sort of looking over somebody on the plane yeah. and say, what they're doing? Um, you know, GDPR was non-existent <laughs> there. But um, and having that conversation, and it, I've found a lot of a lot of settlement from that that conversation. Um, and then there's this just this annoying and irritating. I'm not no satisfaction in what I was doing. I was working hard, working long hours, earning a reasonable sum of a reasonably good income then. Um, compared to what you'd find now, um, didn't want for anything. You know, if we wanted anything, we could buy it. Um, became very materialistic. We could eat out as many times as we wanted. It just, I mean, um, but you still, you were still no, left with a certain emptiness. I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the kids never wanted for anything, and it was just life rolled by. Um, and I just this. Real sort of knowing, like a finger sticking in my back, um, is the only way I can describe it. And I had a conversation with Malcolm Convery, who's the vicar. I mean, he's out at Kirk Michael now, and he's been he's been a good mentor and friend over the years as Malcolm. Um, uh, you know, for somebody who's sound head on him and and wise words, um, he's never really answered any questions. He's just always given me questions to think about. You know what I mean, he's that. That, that that, sort of that's the best way, though, isn't it? You want to you want to yes. be led to your own answer yeah, rather yeah. than being given the yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. He'd sort of ponder and then say, "Well, what would you? What do you want to?" Happen? You know, it's like yeah. Um, and it's that's been good to have somebody like yeah, that. I think we yeah. could, and we could all do with somebody who can not not lead us by the hand. It's like a just mentor. guide us and yeah, yeah, mentor, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's a classic in all the films, isn't it? You know, for Star Wars and anybody else, there's always somebody passing on and. Uh, wisdom and learning as as people go through something. So but it, like you say, I think it's very important. Well, to be honest, I mean, if you want to take it back to the fundamentals, it's how we've all ended up at this point in civilization, yeah. isn't it? The passing yeah. on of knowledge, like you say. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's vital, really. But I think um, that that is really important as well. Like you say, being able to allow or, or, or get someone to come to those conclusions for themselves. To make to have their own realization. It's, un- it's been my being understanding given. rather than being given his. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. very much so. And uh, and so I had, to, I had this conversation with him that sort of said, "What's this about? What's this irritation?" That what? I said, "Look, I'm feeling deeply unhappy and deeply unsatisfied. I've got everything going." Um, and it, it was one of those things. And he said, "You know, God might be calling you to something different." <laughs> Are you like, oh no? And I'm like, oh, I'm, really? Yeah, yeah, I think that there might have been a few expletives at that point. Um, and it, and all of a sudden, the rationalisation that of what it meant in terms of giving up, um, and why me, um, and no, it can't be. You know, I'm just uh, this. 
I'm just a humble Yorkshireman. I'm just a semi-bright Yorkshireman, you know. Um, what have I got to offer? And then, and then you start, start exploring it, and I had to. I can remember that it was the the Solway Harvester sank overnight, and I'd been to see uh, Canon Sheena who's got the windmill down at uh, Gansey there. Yeah. And have a chat with him, and he told me to write this essay on this book called The History of Anglicanism. Can you think of a more interesting subject? I certainly can. <laughs> but um, it, um, I bet and, it, I bet and, it has its moments. And I woke up, the, it was a foul night. I can remember just sitting there having this cup of tea with him and exploring it. Um, and the following morning, the news was that the solar harvest had gone down. Yeah. Um, so, significant date and, and everything else. And then went on to explore it and went off to London and met John Sentimo's wife and Margaret and. Do you know what I mean? And a whole scutch of people who I've known since um, and, and kept in touch with. Um, and just sort of started learning and picking up and everything else. And then I'm, I'm a, a bit of a rare creature within the Church of England in that the, the selection process is you get put forward, they do lots of interviews locally, um, and then they put you forward for a selection conference, now known as a Bishop's Advisory Panel, a BAP. Which is appropriate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't start bringing tea cakes in. Bombs. Um, um, but it, um, so I went on one of them and um, and got through it successfully. And I'm like, oh, this is this is some serious stuff, isn't it, that's going on here? Um, what does this mean? And I just wasn't ready for it. And so uh, we were all ready to go to college, ready to do all the stuff. Um, and uh, I, I just had to say it. I can't do this now. And apparently, uh, there's not that many people said it to the Church of England <laughs> and then gone again for a, a second bite of the cherry. Okay. Um, and so I sort of took 18 months out, um, went to Uganda for a bit. Um, just As you do. As you do. Um, got involved with some people that have been here out in Uganda, up in uh, the northeast of Uganda. So you're doing work through the church? Yeah, I, took, I did some work for the then bishop and going out there. Um, and I saw, on the plane coming back, I just thought, I've got this thing lined up in the February, and a um, good friend of mine had died in Uganda. Um, and I, saw, I saw prejudice and hatred firsthand quite strongly out there. And I just came back and went, you know what? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, and it did. And I just went with it. And, and the peace that I found in doing that um, lots lots to take on and everything else and it's not going without its trials and tribulations and I still question in the early days I used to question every day why me why me um, it's because st- you like helping people isn't it and yeah. again you, you I think you maybe then you like helping you know you like guiding people just as you're guided when you need it as well yeah yes um, and I just I there's, it's exhausting work. You, I mean, everyone thinks you just work on a Sunday night. It's, I mean, um, I mean, before I come up to see you, I've just been to arrange a funeral for somebody. It's, yeah, uh, it, it, one of those things. It's a lot of emotion to take on. I imagine you're it, switching in, hats. Yeah, you, you know, you do you know what I mean, and everybody expects that you're going to be this bouncy extrovert, which I appear to be. Um, but actually, I quite like my own withdraw to space you're there for a lot of life's either rawest or most emotional moments effectively aren't you christenings um, weddings and and funerals one of the things that sold the job to me was the fact that literally all you do you're not there to try and convict people of anything that you think they might be doing wrong you're there just to walk through life with people and be there 
be a pair of ears for him to have a go at and talk to and, and so on. And actually I found, a, um, again, a lot of stability in that, that you're just there to walk with people through life. And that's part of what community is and, 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 and it's a real privilege. And I see little chinks of things happening that I would call love in action. You see these little things going along and I tend to hoover them up as little stories and I could tell you, do you know what I mean? I could bore you to tears for years with them. You, you pepper your sermons with yeah, them, do you? Just yeah, just various things and conversations you have with other people that, without telling people what's going on, but say, yeah, so-and-so experienced You know, names, no pat drill, but yeah. just somebody else experienced that the other way. You know, it's uh, um, and other people are in that situation. Or if there's something where you think somebody could benefit from having a conversation with somebody who's already experienced something, being able to put them in touch with yeah. each other. Well, it's, it's that thing again, like <clears> you say, if you, it makes someone feel so much better if they realise that they're not alone, they're not the only one that's experiencing this thing. That Because then, of course, they can always talk to someone. Like you say, there's a possibility that if they want to talk to someone about it, they can do. And Being alone is a horrible place. Yeah. Particularly if you're, or even just feeling it. That's that's the real problem, it. isn't it? Yeah. Feeling it. Is the I, I mean, I know we can we can withdraw in in the world we live in, in the busiest of cities and everywhere else. People can just withdraw from life. And sometimes a bit of withdrawal, I think, is yeah. Necessary, I mean, I mean, but... Jesus did that. He yeah. he withdrew to a quiet place. He tells us that because we all need some peace and quiet and some restoration. In fact, haven't. Really, all of these men who have you know started these religions that have become so prevalent through the world—the three big Abrahamic ones and, yeah, and yeah. Buddhism and all this—it's all about just taking this bit of time out. Time out, it? so it, it gives you the space to put yourself back together yeah. in some way, shape, or form, and and understand what's going on around you. But then, there's so that, that you can continue, you can continue that. Yeah, um, being alone's a loveless place as well. Um, and I go back to what I said earlier on about desert experiences. We do need them. However, they come in what shape, size, and however long a time they are um, for us to grow, I think. But for people who are alone, particularly in illness or in times of need, um, it's a loveless place for them. And actually, even if it's just somebody popping in, I mean, I mean safeguarding is a huge issue these days. Apply common sense to it and just asking somebody if they're okay. Um, and making sure they're alright and having a conversation and helping them or helping them get the shopping or doing something else is a good way of looking it's a good way of safe caring for people I think um, over and above um, people just being left to their own devices it doesn't take much to go to a neighbour's door and go are you alright fella? yeah exactly um, don't mean it at all um, and yet people get shocked by the fact that people still die in their own home alone and have been there for days, you know, and I, I really feel for those people that have had to experience that. Yeah, very much so. Um, but like you say, I think, it, you know, it, it really counts for a lot for someone to just, like, say, if they are going through a tough time, to know that there is someone there for them. And like you say, it doesn't take much to, to go around and, and knock on someone's door to see if they're all right. And the, the way I've been trying to think about this recently as well is... You never know where these sorts of things can take you as well. You may end up, you know, striking up a really good friendship with this person. You might end up hearing, you know, tales of a, a really interesting, again, like we were saying before, tales of a really interesting life lived or, you know, 
introduced to something which may end up being a hobby or a love of yours and you just don't know where these things can take no, you and, and being open to it and, <clears throat> and receptive it. receptive to things yeah is, approaching um, it with an open heart and an open mind right, is, is, is key is, isn't is the it? main thing yeah but life teaches us to prejudice to prejudge so many things um you know um oh he's just he's just an old bloke who lives on his own he's a bit of a miserable so, you know and somebody will tell you something about somebody and you get your judgment gets clouded by mm. somebody else's and and life does that to us it clouds us as it goes along by what we're told in the world and the context we're in and rather um, than just going to you know this hypothetical person oh well they're a miserable old person because well, well it doesn't even matter they're a miserable old sod not, i have met some don't get me wrong yeah i've met some miserable people of all ages, but there's got to be a reason, hasn't there? Um, you, more often but, than not, and often when you get when you say to somebody, you, you know, and I can be I can be quite open and say to people, you know, some people tell me you're a bit of a miserable so and so. Why is that? And then they'll tell. Do you me, think you can get away with that? Given I can. Your position, I, I can yeah. You can with a collar on. Yeah, <laughs> um, to to a huge degree, because they'll either tell you to get out of the house or whatever. Um, but generally, if it's if it's, I think. One of the most generous things you can do is listen to people. Yeah, with patience yes. as well. Give, give, Show that you are giving your time, that you're not looking at your watch or your phone as if you've got to be somewhere else. Like you say, and giving your time and focus in a patient way. Yeah, is, and is sometimes key. when you lose yourself in a couple of hours of time having a conversation with people, it's one of the nicest, nicest things that can happen in life. And it's a real privilege to listen to somebody else's story. And then you get the opportunity that when the person who's told you they're a miserable so-and-so says, and you say, do you know why? Do you know what he's gone through or what she's gone through in life that's made him feel like that and be like that um, and be bitter or whatever? Um, but the fact that they've shared the story, they feel much better. There's a relief, isn't there, for people to give their story away almost. Yeah. Um, and the number of times you, you do that, and and people, they become acquaintances. I want some people become close friends. Some people become acquaintances. And I, you sort of develop a a whole network of people, not just in within your parish boundary, but globally these days, where people turn to you for support and advice. Or the I mean, silly things like um, I use the term silly, but um, you know, just a message on um, Messenger on Facebook. Yeah. You know, somebody says, um, my granddaughter's in hospital. Would you pray for her? Of course I will. Um, you know, we're, we're all feeling a bit bereft. The very fact that people who aren't regular will will turn. Um, and the number of people who say, um, would you say, say, yeah, and you can say a prayer as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, in, in, in that respect. It's, you're walking through with people through the trials and tribulations of life, listening to the story. And there's a real richness in that. It's a, a huge tapestry to, and a big responsibility goes with it as well. Um, and you, you learn about people's families, you learn about why. I mean, some of the reasons people fall out with each other are so basic, you know, and all it needs is a, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, I, I was wrong. <laughs> That's the most difficult thing to do for some people sometimes, though, isn't it? In fact, for all of us, I think, at some point, it really is. And, and like you say, unfortunately, it can often lead to these situations in, in, in families or groups of friends where sometimes it gets so far down the line that 
you just, I mean, it's not a case of they've, you've, they've forgotten what they've even originally fallen well, out about, but it can get pretty much to that point sometimes, I, can't it? I mean, it? there's things going back in history, isn't there? They've forgotten what it is, but it's still deep-rooted in the community. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. they've forgotten the real reason why, yeah. but they carry on the tradition of, yeah. of, why, of celebrating why they, <laughs> they fell out. Um, and, of course, I, I remember um, going on holiday to America, and uh, America's the, the, obviously a, a, an interesting mix of... Um, rebellious people who left these shores generally um, and one or two other Europeans in the same sort of mix you know the Anabaptists and everybody that went uh, that went over there and uh, we were in Scottsdale in Arizona um, and uh, decided to take the little bus from the hotel to the shopping mall in Scottsdale um, and as he's driving down the road I'm sat there and it's this lovely church you know like mega church thing you know first Baptist church of Scottsdale Arizona Get about half a mile down the road, there's another one, Second Baptist Church of Scottsdale, Arizona. So what happened? He said, oh, first lot fell out with the second lot. Some doctrinal difference or whatever it was. Moved down the road onto the next plot of land and built another church. And he said, if you go to the other side of the town, there's a third Baptist church of, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and you think, oh. And these are Christians that are supposed to epitomise community and, yeah. and being together and being able to, cooperate and get along together what does it say what does it actually say because you know, to, to the outside world and i just crease myself you know this is the <laughs> this is the bus driver on this thing telling me this you know, it's like well you made a good point i think because i wish to really i mean i'm fascinated by american history and, and culture and what in particular history in general but american history politics and, and that sort of thing i, I really enjoy and i was watching a very good thing with uh, rich hall recently and he was talking about the myth of the American dream and, and work mm. ethic and where it stemmed from. And he was saying in a large part that was down to not just the original, you know, Pilgrim Fathers who went over and their their religious mm. beliefs, their particularly strong religious oh, beliefs, yeah, which yeah. had obviously yeah, led yeah. to their ostracized, ostracism, I suppose, Ostr- or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to them being Sounds ostracized. Sounds powerful, not ostracism. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to, to them being booted out let's say or shunned weren't they or not people weren't keen on them put it that way and they thought well we're going to go somewhere where they are more tolerant Europe was an interesting place politically and religiously wasn't it at the time Um, and anybody who was decrying the the sort of two norms of religion and the line of it um, it was a good idea to leave wasn't it because your life expectancy was going to go down Um, and to be able to go out there and have a fresh start um, but of course, there's always ex- we've got extremes in the world today with religion and politics. We I mean, there's a rise of both extremes of politics yeah, potentially yeah. with this Brexit issue, isn't there? Um, and and of course we're in that same thing. And we're, you, the, you, 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 any minority that shouts loudly is always going to be uh, is going to win some people over. And, and people, what? when they have strong beliefs, they're always going to have very strong beliefs as to how things should be done, aren't they? I mean, there was there was the gentleman within the group of the original Pilgrim Fathers, I can't remember his name, but he decided that uh, what they were practising in a way already, again, he didn't feel like he was getting close enough, so he goes off and teaches himself Hebrew so that he can then, again, try and get closer to the original scripture to get closer again to God. That was his way of, of doing it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I mean, uh, we've just done a Lent course around the issue of homosexuality in the church. Um, and when you explore it and see that the church... Um, the tr- modern translations of scripture and I go from the King James forward 
that's the only point it's ever mentioned. It's, it's not you go back into the originals. It's nothing. It, there is nothing there about it, um, and it came from Philo, who's you know written some some words about people's behaviours. Yeah. And all of a sudden we assume, and people still use these bits of scripture as bricks, you know, to throw at people. Um, and same, you know, whenever anything's done like that. Um, and there's division and people, do you know what I mean? And it, in some ways it's about power and it's about greed and control. Um, and and it's, history is littered with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've obviously been at St Ninian's. I've sort of tracked the history of St Ninian. I've been to Whitton a few times. Um, and, and of course, Bede and his crew from the North East, because it got royal patronage at Whitton, um, meant there was a lot of money going in. A lot of people travelling there to go and for the religious experience. Um, and of course, they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to take it over and bring it into this, as part of the empire um, at, at the time. Get yourself some good relics in as well, you know. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, and of course, uh, it's like going across Europe, isn't it? And through uh, Czechoslovakia and, and Poland and what have you, the bone houses, yeah. you know, because people were going to the Holy Land for the ultimate cure, weren't they, you know? And then, of course, for resurrection, there was the worldview that you had to have a skull and a femur. Right. So you've got all the you've got the bone houses, the ossuaries, yeah, as, as yeah, you travel across. Yeah, there's a whole, yeah. you know, there's a whole pilgrimage route. And of course, they were they died before they got there. Yeah. But, but they had to have the, the you know. So they built these magnificent buildings out of the insides, you know. It's, um, so you can see reasons where, and of course, along with that, there's always been people offering hospitality, making money out of that. Where people are. And where there's something to be followed, people will make money out of it. Yeah. Well, um, look at, and, I mean, the Camino these days, yeah, the Camino yeah. de Santiago. You yeah, know. I mean, after the film, um, the way that when he, the guy does what his son, when his son's died on the thing and he goes off, it, one of the Sheens, wasn't it? I think Charlie so. or Martin yeah, Sheen, yeah. whichever one it was. And all of a sudden that's projected a huge load of people. But it's this going to find yourself thing isn't it it's you know go on a long walk and find yourself i can honestly say in all the long walks i did i found a lot of peace and a lot of, a lot of exercise didn't really find myself um do you know what i mean you can walk forever oh yeah um, yeah and you can um, go you can go wherever and sometimes you might just be and i just managed to sat off, at home I, I managed to eat a lot of cornish pasties and beans when i finished for carbohydrate replacement <laughs> drink lots of tea a few pints of beer um and have a thoroughly good time but um and I, I, again, I guess part of it is the people you meet on the way, on, on the journey, if you like. Um, and you can either mirror that with life or the physical walking of, of, of something like that. Um, and I know a few people that have done the, the, the Camino and various other things. Um, and again, you share a story. It, it's that parallel with what I do as a, as a parish priest every, uh, every day. I think is maybe as well, like you say, going into something like that, still, again, if you can do it with an open mind and maybe have hopes as to what's going to happen with it, but not be too rigid with it as well and be open to whatever does eventually happen because there can be so many different things that do and don't go on on something like that. Yeah, I suppose things... people's expectations can let them down sometimes. Yeah, can't they? yeah. Um, <clears throat> just because somebody else has, you know, expounded yeah. the fact that it's been absolutely wonderful and marvellous for them doesn't mean it's going to be for but, you. But I'm supposed to be feel, you know, like that sort of thing. I'm supposed yeah, to be first... doing this right now. Or this is supposed to be happening right now. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, no, no, no. Where's the thunderbolt and lightning? You know, it's <laughs> where's the just, flash it's, of light? It's just not happening. And it, of course, it doesn't, I mean, for some people it happens like that and others, it doesn't, um, you know, for some people, spiritual experiences, charisma, whatever you want to call it, 
can be tiny, tiny things. You know, for others, it can be a huge revelation, mountaintop experience. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I, I thought it was interesting what you were talking about just before there about, um, you know, how things change and with strong-minded people in the church and you get these things that happen for, for different reasons. I mean, I was surprised. I was, I was watching a, a history of Christianity quite recently and he was talking about, uh, he, he was a guy from Oxbridge, uh, Irish Mac- name McCulloch. Yes, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 Fascinating yeah. that. Really, really interesting that series. Um, but the way he raised that, for example, you know, Catholic priests. There was a time when Catholic priests, it was perfectly all right for them to be married and for them to have families and whatnot. And then, you know, you think about how much of an issue that is in the Catholic Church today. And yet it came down to a point where there was one gentleman, I think one, you know, Pope or one mm. Archbishop, who didn't like the idea of well dynasties effectively yeah, yeah. being possibly being formed so he so he outlaws it and yeah, so yeah. again you think there's a, there's a motivation there's a, motiv- a wrong motivation for doing and something a political here. motivation yeah, yeah. The, for, for that to happen and just really interesting to hear about these different aspects like that you know that again like that can be lost sight of in this day and age where there's the there's the debate about this thing but yeah, it's like yeah. but why did it originally happen yeah and you i know? think when you just talk about the issues of homosexuality and marriage as well you got do you know what I mean? It, there were different con- it was a different concept in biblical times, you know, in the in in the Middle East there, um, to the way we view things now. And there's a, a lot of things that we've got that we sort of take for granted, are about controlling and about civilization, and things being stable, um, and stability is good for humans, um, but there's a lot of issues that throw. You know, so they make things. I mean, it's like this issue with Brunei, isn't it? And the kickback to that. That's. Uh, you know what I mean, um, I, I mean, somebody, the Sultan of Brunei, dressed in all his gold finery. You know, made some wry comment about it, and I, I have to say, I do admire people's sense of humour on social media for some of the things that they come out, some of the quirky observations that they come out with, um, and how quick they do it as well. The the the, the, the rapidity of it, uh, and sharpness of it. Um, but it, it it shocks us now, something like that, a reaction like that, um, here. But you've got to remember that it's a Brunei is a different kingdom. I remember travelling on Royal Brunei Airlines and it, how strict it was. You know, there was no alcohol on the on the flight or whatever. You got tea, <laughs> um, and I got it as a cheap flight, and I now know why. Um, but the, people live within a different culture, and I think we sometimes we just think that everybody should be like we are and we don't somehow respect the understanding or where that comes from um, and it's backtracking through some of these things as you say and you you actually get to the root of an issue uh, or where it came from and why and it puts a whole different perspective on it and then you think well why don't we change it now because hmm. that has always been that's the other thing that that kind of taught me to an extent though that there has always been flexibility within the church, depending regardless of of which strain of Christianity we're talking about here. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. how they've all ended up in the first place because things, like they say, have split off and evolved and changed, and people have different ideas about how you should do things. So. Well, for some, um, the Eucharist is important, and things are Eucharistically centered. The Last Supper, for some, it's the Word, so Bible reading and preaching, um, and these different aspects have become different to different people. Um, and, and there's been the way that people have been had access to resource in the last 100, 150 years, probably 200 years. They never had before because we were an agrarian nation and, and, and people didn't have that. The church was the church. 
um, whoever was in the, on a throne at, in London was king or queen. Do you know what I mean? And that was the the balance of it. Um, the the sort of Middle Ages changed all that a little bit, didn't it? and uh, and people could start to think somewhat for themselves. Um, but unless unless it sort of had a, a, a an amalgamated following, it, a lot of things were weird, odd, peculiar. You think how witchcraft was treated and all the, the those sort of things. Um, um, we now have that ability that you can see ev- every difference in everything instantly online. Um, and it, as much as we take that as stability, there's a lot of instability in what is put through. Um, and you can see people's causes, people's... Rib- do you know what I mean? The, num- the, yeah. the number of people who troll people because they've said something. I mean, can you imagine if we still used axes and swords? What would be going on as well as using a... Well, I think if we were still using axes and swords, that sort of chat wouldn't be going on online, no, would it? No, because no, you, no, would, no. you would and, fear but, getting axed or and, stabbed. <laughs> and we've just never been very... I think human fear uh, is at the bottom of a lot of change um, and understanding. Um, but the inability to look at somebody else's perspective and work out why. You don't have to agree with them. But to look at some of these, where these things come from, and understand it, and have a um, a reasoned understanding, is is a good thing to do. Very much so. That's something that I've really got out of some of the podcasts that I've listened to recently, where people are talking again, like we are on here, where they're not fearful of being taken out of context or anything, or being you know sort of just thirty second clips or whatever, and and. I find that if I can sit and listen to someone who can calmly and rationally explain to me why they have a belief on a, a particular subject, mm. that's great because then you can, like you say, you can come out of it and say, well, I still don't necessarily agree with that person's view, but I can understand why they mm. have it because, you know, their they're upbringing, their life, their personal circumstances where they live has meant that it's necessary for them, it's important to them, it's, you know, this, that and the other. Like, gun control is a good example, you know? I mean, I'm relatively... Uh, well, I, I don't see why laws should be so lax, for example, in, in some places, but then you can speak to a person that lives in that place and they can tell you why it's important to them to have this kind of gun for this sort of purpose, this one for this purpose, and you have to sit back and say, well, look, if that's the case where you are, then that's fair enough you know we don't need it in our environment which is probably why i think that they're not necessary but you've just done a really good job of explaining why for you they are yeah i mean we every time there's a a, a shooting across the pond or various other places um i was trying to get a head round you know the, the fact that guns are readily available i mean um the shots were fired in in huddersfield the other day you know it guns are out there um even as a kid, I had access to air rifles and stuff. We used to go shooting the mice in the barn and that sort of thing. Um, so it, they have been there and they still are there. I think it's the you look at what happened in New Zealand and there's been this fantastic response, I have to say, to the New Zealand Prime Minister and the way that New, New Zealand's responded to it. New Zealand comes across as, it still has all its social ills, but as a very peaceable nation. Um, and very calm in the face of what happened, um, unlike some of the, uh, the people that went across the Mayflower and their descendants, um, and and 
the way they look at it there, you know, and it's bigger the right to carry a gun because it's of where it was set, you know, to bear arms than what it do, the, the damage it does now. What I really liked in all of that was, again, it showed the these groups of people that were so seemingly disparate on the face of it, be it people with different religious beliefs, you know, Christians coming along mm-hmm. and, and helping um, their Muslim communities. The uh, the biker gangs, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, the Maori biker gang came the, out. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. mongrel mob and the like. Yeah, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and the fact that, again, that a guy there is there dressed in his uh, gang you know, jacket yeah, yeah. with his patches on, yeah. talking to a gentleman in his Muslim robes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it was just wonderful because, again, it, it just made me think that it's wonderful. It's great that people have these things to define themselves by, but when we can look past all of those things and just look at each other again as human beings and just work yeah, together and be the, there for each other. There's this. There's the great little um, sort of uh, JPEG keeps popping up on Facebook and various little bits of social media, which is skeletons, isn't it? It's got white, black. You did I did I? Yeah. Um, and I think that I know it's a slight, but it actually draws your attention to the fact we're all human at the end of the day, um, and whatever our differences, we need to be together with as a community of human beings um, and understand each other. Um, there are always going to be people of some ilk who want to control others, um, who want to feel more powerful than others. Um, they're never ever going to it's it's time limited then and people need to understand that it doesn't happen um love lasts forever power and struggle is as short as it is um and i think it's important that we recognize that it's necessary sometimes but like you say it's important also to not lose sight of the good things and the positive things isn't it yeah and i, I mean i mean generally the world religions want to you know the practitioners of the world religions generally would get along with most people of other faiths and religion. Um, I think what um, um, the one of the things I find the most irritating is this sort of gentle rise of fascism um, and some of the stuff that the, the sort of more right-wing people are putting out. You know, if Britain's a Christian country, you know, why has the cross gone off a hot cross bomb? Very topical for the next two weeks. Why are they available all year round? That's another question. Um, but... Um, you know, why is Jesus being taken out of the nativity or the nativity being taken out of this or whatever? They're not active Christians. And that annoys me because they don't speak for me as a Christian. Um, They're speaking for their own individualism and using my faith and the faith of a lot of genuine loving people as a shield um, and an embarrassing shield for themselves. Um, Because without that they really have no cause because what their cause is is worthless in its own way taking what we were talking about a little bit before then and taking someone like that who you know takes something that's so dear to you and uses it in a way that you really don't like for purposes that you really don't agree with do you still try and look at that person with your your christian heart your forgiving heart and, and try and understand why deep down they're doing or they've ended up the way that they are there's a difference between the person and the behavior um the person is still the person and 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 we're called to love the person however hard that might be um behavior could change they've picked up to i mean we're all born without any prejudice we just accumulate it 
you know it's like dust isn't it it just sort of travels through life with you and we we because it fits with a group of people or we want to fit in with a particular group of people we'll take that line we might not agree with it um and i think he's been able to sit and have some dialogue with some of these people quite an incredibly scary thing to do for some people have you ever tried it have yes you, it has happened yeah yeah, yeah. um and I'll stick to what I believe in. I mean, and I've listened to people, and I've probably changed some of my views on on the. But I understand their position. But a lot of the times, when it's particularly in that sort of circumstance, it comes from a position of fear, um, not understanding change, feeling lost. I think to an extent. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean, when people say I'm English, I've just been invited to the St George's Day Parade today. Um, which is a particularly English thing, but obviously with the Scouts here, it's a, a, a big thing to have. Um, and I'm, I'm English and I'm, I'm, I've, I am gently proud of my Yorkshire roots as well as living here. You have to be, don't you? It's a crime yeah. to not be proud yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're from Yorkshire. Yeah, it, um, and, uh, but there's that pride of people coming from the Isle of Man. And the, yeah. the one thing I love is is being. You, do you know what I mean? Is you travel around the world and there's always somebody from the other man, isn't there? Um, I think it's maybe that you know. You, somebody on social media the other day was travelling uh, out of Kathmandu and there's a pro tours coach going into Kathmandu. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. Like, like an old coach that's been. Sent yeah, it's there. an old coach that's gone out there. You know, pro tours, and they said, "I'm sure I've just seen a pro." You know, it's like twenty seconds. That of this video. It's, it's absolutely that amazing. But so, um, yeah, I think there's a big difference, though, isn't there, in being proud of a place that you come from or you know being proud of your nationality or whatever that's different to automatically thinking that you are better than someone because of because where you are where from. you come from superiority is yeah, very yeah. different and, to pride. Uh, and, and, and a lot of this um you know the britishness thing being english you know the cultural thing um comes from that position of being better than um, you only have to look at Brits abroad generally, you know, to think that they think they're better. And of course, that goes back to empire. Empire and being told for generations and generations that you were better. We ruled the waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still have a colonial hangover, an, em- an empire, an empirical hangover. I think we to do, an and you still see that. I mean, in Uganda, you know, black and white curbs. You know, it's nice seeing them being painted here. You know, they squashed into the ground, and uh, but it goes back to the fifties of you know a bit of civil order and everything, you know, on a dusty street, you know, these had the, we had to have some order. Um, and there's still that kickback to that, you know, the British way of doing things there. Um, and of course, in a lot of places, that's gone. Um, and it's now, you know, the, the Chinese are in a lot of places and, and doing stuff. Um, Scandinavians have been in a lot of the African countries and doing various development projects. We aren't, we, we haven't got that anymore. So we sort of hold on to this, old tradition of instead of looking forward you know what's happening now um you know in the present time and where where do we go um as an english nation across how did where does it where does that go where's this brexit thing all going and there is a huge amount of uncertainty and i know it has a kickback for us here but the island will survive and be strong um whatever happens where we will come out of that um, and people have that resilience to, to come through change. So why quite why we're fearful of it, I don't know. But it's just, it is part of human. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, 
given the circumstances and certain things that are happening recently, the, you know, how nations seem to be becoming more divided and, and climate change and whatnot, like you say, it can be very easy to feel down about things, feel scared about things, almost panicked about things, but it can also be seen as, as, a, as a time for opportunity and a time for change. But with this sort of thing happening in this day and age, do you still find more people coming back to the church in times of uncertainty do they come back or do they come you know for the first time to seek solace and comfort and 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 a bit of solidity and a bit of guidance in in times like this i think they're doing that they're doing certain places um and it depends on the 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 place of the church in in people's lives um I, i can only speak from my own context in that we are we maintain our numbers of people, the faces change, but the numbers genuinely remain roughly the same. Um, do we talk about the concerns? Do we talk into the concerns and what it means? Yes, we do, so it's it's particularly relevant. Um, does that happen everywhere? Probably not. Um, some places probably more so than, than, than we do. Um, has, the pla- has the church got a place for it? Yes, there's there's an awful lot of sense in um, what's in scripture. I mean, every genre of literature is within the Bible. Um, every film you've ever seen, every drama you've ever watched, the whole there's a plot somewhere in scripture. There's nothing new, is there? Um, and it um, there is a place for it, but it's recognizing that, and people don't recognize it. Because people don't, people tend, as we've been saying, are individuals. And people don't come to church because it's a group thing nowadays. So to come and be part of a community and a worshipping community and what that entails can seem quite alien for a lot of people. I remember when I first started going back to church again and thinking, I'm in the right place, I've got the right page. You know, um, I remember going to Corpus Christi, which is the celebration of the Eucharist at uh, St. Matthew's on the quay, and uh, and at the end, standing up, um, and I looked over my shoulder, and I'm sat at the front with somebody, and we both stood up, and this lady at the back going, sit down now, <laughs> <laughs> wagging this big bony finger at us, and of course... I'm I'm not part of that tradition, the Anglo-Catholic tradition. Yeah. But apparently, when they bring the cruciform out over the flowers that are down the aisle, you remain seated. Well, I've always been told that you, in my particular strand of it, you stood. You know, you venerated the, it's yeah. a, an acknowledgement. It was just polite. But in that situation, it like, certainly oh, wasn't oh, polite. Oh, <laughs> oh, sit, sit down quickly, you know. It's like the embarrassment of it. And actually, that's how a lot of people, I think, would feel coming into a church these days. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's a friendly community of people who will look after you and care for you. And they'll get to know you and le- learn your story. Put it this way, if a coach suddenly turned up and everybody wanted that, I think we'd struggle. Um, but, I mean, people do come either through experience of me supporting them in bereavement or for whatever other occasion. Um, all the occasional officers, marriage, all sorts of stuff people come for. Um, or they'll come, as I say, it's quite transient, so they'll have been uh, in a part of a church community somewhere else, whether here or away. Um, and come and find somewhere to be 
and then they'll find the feet and then probably move on to somewhere else. So we just acknowledge that. Um, I think the church has an obsession about numbers. Um, it's yeah. probably to see, give an indication of where you're going, though, isn't it? In terms of a congregation, because yeah, a church is only as big well, as its you can only measure it. You can only measure it by its numbers. In, in that respect but yeah. the, the, it's almost like the, the, the sort of corporate world jumps into the church there's an obsession in the corporate world with numbers isn't there um, and, and actually you can't measure people's faith and understanding um, in the same way that you can a balance sheet um, so that I mean all the and all the recording that the, the figures that the church does um, doesn't include all the activities that go on Monday to Saturday you know, it's about what goes on on a on a Sunday. On the big day. On the big day, you know. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, and yet, I mean, someone like St. Ninnies is in you seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. But there's no recording of the fact. And, and of course, when a church is used for other things in the community, it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come and be there on a Sunday morning either. They've already been, you know. Um, yeah. And I know, I mean, I know it's when the church is open, people come in and sit and just have a quiet time. It's something that I like about them. Um, like I said, even as uh, as an atheist, I enjoy churches. I like walking into them. I enjoy the space. I enjoy the architecture, the peace. I really like it when you go out to like somewhere in the countryside and there'll be an old one, like the one that's on, like the old one on the way down to Blaff Beach or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can just turn up in yeah, the middle yeah. of the day and just, you know, creak that little door yeah, open yeah. or old Kirk Braddon or something yeah, and go yeah. in and yeah. you're in this place that's like hundreds and hundreds of years old that's been yeah, such yeah. an important focal point of this community that's had the the births and the deaths and the marriages and it's got the people buried in the churchyard yeah. and it's just yeah yeah the community's like in in that building and it's in the soil isn't it and it's all there to see i love going to st luke's as well and up seeing at baldwin yeah, up yeah. At baldwin and seeing these these farming communities again that have just been yeah, there for generations it, it and the generations. history of that farming community yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I i always use peel as a brilliant example or glencrutchery road the burial ground up there um they make a social statement about the state of a, a place um, and particularly the one at Peel, when you come away from the little chapel, these big, these big, huge stones, you know, that um, in marble and what have you, that have you know got a whole two generations, three generations in them, and you it peters out the size of the things peters out now to a plaque on a, you know, where somebody's ashes are buried, um, and it talks about it says very much about how society viewed death at those points and how and, and the way they did funerals and everything else. Um, and how things have changed. Um, the church buildings often don't reflect that. There's a continuity, isn't there? Um, and uh, lots of people always talk about um, being a thin place where people have been. They've, it's been a spiritual place, obviously particularly from a Christian point of view, but for other people of no belief or some belief or whatever to be able to go and soak in what's been there before, the heritage of a place, if you like, um, the spiritual heritage is, in, is an incredibly powerful thing. Um, and there's a reason why our forebears picked particular places for them. Um, and you, you sort of acknowledge that by being there, don't you, and being, uh, being in and part of it. Very much so, very much so. Um, right, we're, we're about an hour and 20 minutes in here, John, and one thing that I, we haven't approached yet, which I really wanted to chat to you about, because this is, I think, where your role differs a little bit. Um You've obviously got this real involvement with the TT. Yes. So, 
was it a case of did you try and wangle the job at St Ninian's? Did it just come up and you went for it? Was it a happy accident? I mean, come on, because uh, um, there must have been a real th- th- yeah. There's, bo- this there's is a, a bit, bonus. There's, isn't there's there? a bit of a story. Yeah. Come on, come on. I um as uh, once you finish theological college, you have to go and do your apprenticeship as a curate, an assistant curate somewhere. Um, and I went up into Cumbria. Somebody walked through the college common room one day and went, oh, there's a, there's a job up north that'll do for you. And I looked at it and thought, well, that's a good idea for a day out to go and have a look at it. <laughs> drive up there, hire a car, drive up the M6, get fed, go back down. Um, and I took a friend of mine from Tanzania with me for the day to go and have a look at the place. Uh, Charles, who was at, uh, at college with us. Um, one to take him on Windermere on the way back on a on a boat. Um, and she in the Lake District, which he was just like, he was he was in awe of the place. Do you I know can mean? imagine. Seen it, he'd never seen it. Yeah, you know, he'd never even seen it in pictures. I know, mean, so. there are some fine bodies of water in that part of Africa, but it's very no, very it's different, just, I imagine, different. to the Lake yeah, District. Yeah, so I took him with me, and we he had lunch, and I got interviewed, and um, and basically got a phone call on the way back down saying, if you want to come, we'll we're quite happy to have you. Um, and it um, so I went. I ended up going up there for two two and a half years. As, which was a brilliant experience because there were seven village churches um, slapped around the M6. You know, so we got the motorway, main course west line, Penrith one end, uh, Southwake services the other, um, and across into the Eden Valley and, and whatever. So it was a really... And I learned an awful lot about life in a rural community in a very short space of time. Yeah. And one December morning, I got this phone call that said... Um, uh, St Ninian's is vacant from the then Archdeacon, Brian Smith, that was here. And uh, he said, so what do you think? I went, yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> Straight out. That'll do. <laughs> he said, well, you'll need to come over and meet some people. And so I came over and met some people. Yeah, 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 fine, 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 whatever, I'll do whatever. This, this was in the January. Because you, you, I take it you were aware of the, where the church was and... Yeah, and I yeah. just, uh, I mean, most people think about a church because of the church and its churchmanship and style and everything else. I just went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and I never really gave that much consideration. So we've had to grow together over the last 10 years. It's uh, It's been an interesting journey. Um, and I'm glad I didn't take the church because of what it was. I took it as it came to me. Um, it wouldn't have been what it's been. The experience wouldn't have been what it's been. And of course, so all of a sudden you've got the paddock and all these other people pile into your parish. That you've got pastoral responsibility for. Yeah, of course, um, of course. And um, it, when I first came, you just used to get a pit lane pass and what have you, and, and this, that, the other. Just used to wander around um, and and just sort of talk to people. Um, and of course, I've been good mates with uh, Chris Kinley for a number of years, like, and uh, with mutual friends as well. And so the sort of involvement in doing the chat show on the radio after John Kenyuk sadly passed away, um, and it was a real privilege to be asked to do that. Um, and uh, and be, and take that mantle on, um, and something I've enjoyed doing, and met lots of interesting again, lots of interesting people that uh, that, that through it, um, and of course then out of that I'm chaplain to the Southern Hundred. Yeah, and what a bunch of people they are and, uh, as well. Do you know what I mean, what a, it's uh, it, it's laugh a minute. It, yeah. it, but it has its serious side. I mean, I've been involved. I've been involved in a few big incidents down there. Yeah, I've seen them happen, and I've you know a huge amount of support to people. And actually, for people who are here from away, to be able to give them somebody 
some some sort of firm contact and some support um and not everybody deals with trauma in the same way that mm. other people do some people can handle it and, and take it on just seeing somebody fall off a motorbike can be tr very traumatic for some people um but being there to just sort of stand with a brew on a fence and somebody come and have a long talk to you um I've been asked on the TT start line if I could give somebody marriage guidance. <laughs> Literally. On the start the, line. On the start line. Stood there and the person will remain nameless. I could do with some marriage guidance. Can I come and talk to you when they've all gone? <laughs> so this is like, you know, once the last rider's gone, can I get you a cup of tea? And come, I, said, yeah. I didn't want to watch the race. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Um, oh, so this wasn't a rider about to go off down I can't even tell you who it was. Oh, okay. I'm not even going to tell you. No, no, you, you don't have to name names. Um, I was just thinking this is not someone about to go down. No, 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 no. It was somebody. No, it was somebody peripheral too. Oh, that's okay. But, that's uh, fair enough. Because I was thinking if you're uh, about to launch yourself down no, Brayhill, that's probably not the no, time no, to be no. asking I've for been, marriage I've guidance. Been, I've been asked to pray for people in race trucks. Yeah. Uh, the whole gamut goes with it, really. Well, um, I was thinking, you know, it's it's another it's another situation albeit a different one for to, to, to what most uh, vicars and men, men of the cloth, you know, a situation that they find themselves in. But it's another example, like we were saying with the births, deaths and marriages, where you're there for people in moments of their lives when they can be feeling or potentially be feeling the strongest emotions, be they Absolute, the most positive, positive or, or, or the worst ones. Yeah, the you, worst I mean, ones I mean literally somebody's world's just come to an end. It's just yeah. hit flat. Yeah, yeah. Um, or the absolute euphoria of being on a podium and what have you. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I sort of got to know quite a lot of people a few years ago, and I've tended to just drift away from it, just as a, as a self-protection, I think, in one way. This is in terms of competitors, you mean? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I, to be there and support, but just for my own um, well-being, if you like. Um, that, that, did you... When you've been stood having a cup of tea with somebody the day before and they're dead the day after. Yeah. Um, and you're very close to the teammates and people wielding the spanners and things like that. I imagine once once that's happened a few times, that can that can I, really take its toll. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, and I've and people who've stuck to the word, you know, they sort of said, if anything ever happens, I'm out, and they're out. And and the very principal people within a, a, a paddock, on the whole, um, and you talk to people, uh, encounters with people about their spiritual experiences, or um, do you, do you find much I've had of a few pints? I've had a few pints in the pubs with people and yeah. put the world to rights. Yeah, um, and again, you get people from with all perspectives of religion and none uh, across the whole board. And some people just want to have a chat with you or. You can still find that affinity, though, can't you? Because again, like we were saying about before, you might you might end up coming to certain realizations from a different path, be it Christianity or another form of religion, or not religion, or like you say, mindfulness or meditation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you can still find common ground within yeah, those people, things. And some people come because it's just they want to sit and talk to me. Yeah, number of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I can. I mean, we have the cafe in church, which provides a hospitality for people. Yeah. Um, and I mean, when I first came back, they didn't do anything. The door was shut, firmly shut. And I thought, well, it's a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah. It should be open, you know, space for people to come in and see the window, you know, do you know what I mean? Not just on the Sunday morning. Um, and so things have, uh, have, have evolved around that. And there's, a, I have to say, there's a whole bunch of people now who do the catering and various other things. 
and they're very very good at talking to people and one of the big things now is they share their stories of meeting people and the conversation and the number of friendships that have been built up over that 10 year period and we've seen people who've come and died and been ill and all sorts of stuff it's yeah. life and it's this little microcosm it is, it is. and it, it, i think that like you say that's a fantastic opportunity as the tt really is you know it brings so many people tens of thousands of people here to our island not just from the uk from so much further afield these days as well and you just by meeting people from different places you learn about their different ways of doing things and their different cultures but again you also learn that deep down we're not too different in so many ways as well are we i think that's again that is so important when we have the opportunity at a a thing like this to meet the people that come here yeah i mean there's people who've lost children lost babies there's people who still keep in touch in touch at christmas they'll phone you up at new year there's people from Holland, Belgium, all over um, that I've met um, and encountered, and the, the, it's like having another parish on top of. Yes, it's yeah. a, it's, it's almost a virtual parish on yeah. top of the, the the physical parish that you're in, um, and there's some fantastic people in there, and incredibly generous people, very warm-hearted on the whole. Yeah, um, and you still remember, you're still part and parcel of. You, you are a part of what's happened for them in a lot of cases. Um, and you've been that support at the time. And that, all right, that can tail off afterwards, but that it should. You, otherwise, you just couldn't keep up to everybody at the the, the, the same level. Um, and I've ended up being godparents to a child through tragedy and met some people that I wouldn't have met um, and had some experiences I wouldn't have had. Um, through that so I've been it's, I have to say it's been very enriching and blessing being involved at St Ninians and being involved around the TT um, and again the same with Grand Prix the, and the classic stuff and uh, uh, particularly the Southern 100 um, uh, that's a uh, that's I'm allowed to say it, it, I, if you had to take one over the other I love the Southern it's the fact that it's so well organised they're such a great bunch of people Um there's no particular, there's no sort of real corporate thing about it. It's a club of people who do what they do incredibly well um, and make sure it ticks. But there's also the right supports in place for people that need it. Um, and as I say, it's had its challenges over the, the last few years. When I first came, I used to love the fact that I could take days off during a week. And uh, I used to accumulate some days off. Don't tell the bishop. I used to to accumulate some days off so I could go and spend the whole week down at the Southern. You know, do a bit of work in the morning, then shoot off on my bike and and then just sit on a hedge waiting for the the practices and the racing. And just something about it. Um, And it still has that magnetism for lots of other people and that appeal. And I hope it never loses that. And for you as well, being able to, I mean, not just down at the Southern, but up here at St Ninian's as well, surely being able to combine two of your passions, so obviously your faith and yeah, your love yeah. of motorcycling, and must be doubly satisfying. It is, you. and of course... I, I, and I, the photography I'm back in there into as the well. photography as yeah, well yeah, with that, yeah. you see. So, um, And the number of people you meet out on a hedge with a camera and you get talking to them and you know what I mean? And That's a good I, in as well, isn't it? And you it, have the conversation and, and, and lots of people know it. Do you know what I mean? You, you get known. There's lots of people who don't know who I am. That you know, thankfully I can be anonymous at times. Um, but um, you just drop into conversations with people about the most silly things, um, 
or somebody wanting advice or somebody saying, oh, my bike's broken down, my spare key's in the hotel. I'll jump in, I'll give you a lift. I'll bring, you, you sure? I'll get a taxi back out. No, 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 it's a lot. Um, I've searched for keys in Heather, <laughs> you know, with a, one of them magnetic aerial things where somebody's lost a key. Um, oh, there's the number of people I've helped, you know, I'm bringing riders back in when they've had a breakdown and stuff like that. Um, and you, you remember the occasions and the conversations, you know, and somebody say, oh, yeah, you do, you know what I mean? It's like, it all yeah. makes for good life experience and good stories, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, TT in itself, road racing in itself is just, is a fab community, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's like, talking to Martin Brunschweiler when he'd done the, the bushes in, in the villa last year, and Martin was just overjoyed. All of a sudden, the place was bouncing again. It, it, it had lost that sort of 70s sticky floor feel, hadn't it? And it had like it changed it, it progressed into something where everybody could go to. It felt like being at a music festival every it day. Did. That you it were really there. did, didn't it? Yeah, and the, I mean, yeah. the weather. I just pray uh, of all things that the weather is <laughs> as good this year as it was last year. Yeah, if you can have a word with your boss, please, well, everybody. John. Every, of course, I go back to what I said before. Everybody can. Yeah, can't they? Yeah, that's it's, true, uh, actually. Um, and the more I don't know, we will not go down that theological <laughs> track. But it just um, it, the feel-good factor of it. Yeah, uh, have been there. A lot of those people wouldn't have gone to the original bushes. I don't think. No. Um, and jollification's part of the the whole process, isn't it? Yeah. People having a few shandies and uh, and a bit of artisan food, which was scattered yeah. around. So that 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 shop window thing is good because that wasn't there before either. Um, and I like I like how the islands adapted and changed to that. Um, and there's the, some people having some vision to bring bring that in. Um, long may it continue absolutely right John I'm conscious of the fact that uh, you might not have that much longer left on your parking disc and uh, we're up to about an hour and a half which I think for a trial run is a, a pretty good go so maybe we'll yeah. uh, we'll wrap it up but uh, just before you go um, you know religiously or non-religiously could you give us just a bit of a bit of advice before you go some of the things that you think you've learned along your your path, which you think are, are applicable to any of us, regardless of our stripe, let's say. I think the hardest thing is for us to genuinely love each other, and I don't mean in an erotic sexual sense, just the bit, the, in the sort of agape sense of um, of caring for each other. Have consideration for others, uh, that yeah, sort of thing. So yeah, consideration yeah. and compassion for other people and understanding where they are without us jumping to conclusions and, and judging them. Um, and perhaps if we can get a bit more involved in the people the people we're around and and understand them again putting the difference aside and learn about them and let's just grow and be enriched by those people through that that caring and compassion and and, and love for them the funny um, thing is i've tried to put that into practice much 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 more in my life recently like really truly try and live that as you know as much as i possibly can and i have to say going on you know recent personal experience it is an incredibly fulfilling and calming way of living it is you d you never know what you're going to encounter no um so the surprises that come along um uh, uh, can be quite joyous and and the joy and happiness that we all seem to seek is there but we tend to be looking in the wrong places for it and i think if we start to look a little bit differently about how we do things um, and take into account a bit more care and consideration for those around us, um, whatever their, like you say, whatever the stripe, um, things have got to change, and and and, and change has got to start somewhere with one simple step, hasn't it? 
and usually with ourselves. Usually with ourselves, which then spreads to the people yeah, closest yeah. to us, which yeah. spreads out into the community. I think that's how it seems to happen, isn't it? You know, it sort of ra- radiates got, outwards. It does. Um, you, th- you think about the original. Th- that was the original thing of Christianity. Um, was about community and about caring and you look how much it's spread and how much it's growing in other parts of the world where there is a need for it we seem to have squashed that need with materialism and consumerism and everything else and we're not happy we've got huge rises in mental health issues as we know you the charity thing yesterday um you know the number of people on antidepressants we're not we're not in a good place and there's the small matter seemingly of the planet getting trashed as well yeah with this. we just so, you know. do you know I mean we just seem to ignore that there's lots of things we could do and I mean I'm I'm not a big advocate of electric cars because of lithium mining and, and everything that goes with that you know it's um, again it's, it's strength over somebody else isn't it it's power and control over somebody yeah, else to produce yeah. all that um, and yet we're told it's clean. Yeah, of course it's clean. It doesn't belt fumes out. But what's behind it? What's the impact? Again, um, going back, what's the impact? What's the thing going yeah, back, going yeah. back, going this, back? And, and we tend to see what's presented to us as being, it's clean. Um, and yet we could do so much more with wind and tidal stuff, particularly here. Um, you know, there could be some real entrepreneurs out there that just need the right form of backing and some the right form of understanding. And some people in government who could apply some of that. And perhaps if the island could get back some of that integrity as being a world leader in some of the developmental stuff we do um, and be, have that focus again and couple that with what we were saying about looking after each other a bit more, um, dealing with some of the... So- some of our social ills would go away. They would decrease if we were living like that. Um, and yet we seem to... We just make provision to cover them, but we don't deal with the, you know, it's cause and effect, isn't it? Indeed. We, we tend not to deal with the cause, we just deal with the effect of a lot of stuff. So. Very much so, John, very much so. Food for thought there. Thank yeah. you very much for taking the time to speak to me. Ed, it's been good. Pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Thank you.